it's one of the Hollywood Kaiju bad boys, Brandon, here to let you know we got on Aaron McDavid this week after finally getting an episode recorded with them that took four attempts. It's truly cursed, but we are glad that it happened. We're talking about Colossal, which is a really fun, unique uh, kaiju film from 2016. Very unexpected. Bit of a content warning, too. A lot of abusive, uh, both physically and emotional relationship stuff we talk about in this one. Also due to the content of the movie, but it's good. It's a really good discussion. Uh, If you like this, check us out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on either one. Give us some reviews on that Apple Podcast. It really helps us. And if you ever want to email us anything or have some questions, email us at podzukipodcast at gmail.com or follow us on podzuki at Twitter. We just got the podzuki handle, which is pretty sweet, and that's P-O-D-Z-O-O-K-Y. We'd love to hear from you. Anyways, go kiss a kaiju. Unto Ghidra, what is Ghidra's? Ten to one, he sees you through a beaker and a tweezers. Read the fine print and be like, what's the big deal? Spun wheels of steel since broke wheel, big wheel. Back when it was greasy as curl, now it's easy dread. Had a rhyme on how they used to tease him about his peasy head. Yes, yes, y'all, to the beat. Have a ball. Perfect. Nice. Hey, we we did it. We're 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 the first step, and I want to say this is the fourth attempt to get this episode recorded. Oh wait. No, no, just don't. God damn it, don't. God damn it, Luke. It's not. It it would have been, it's funny the, the second time we try to record, it's funny the third time we try to record. It is not funny the fourth time we try to record. The fifth time we try to record, though, super funny. Sixth time, it's the worst joke. And then we get into fist fight. Seventh time, dead silence. Eighth time, we laugh so hard we are all institutionalized. Ninth time, uh, we're just dead in the ground. You know, we never got out because America's health systems are so failing that we we're never able to get jobs again or find work for anything that we needed because of the stigma of being institutionalized and mental health in this country. Welcome to Podzuki, guys. It's one of the best podcasts around about kaiju, big monsters, and anything we really want to talk about. There's not really any rules. Uh, We like to say no rules, just right. I'm one of the kaiju Hollywood bad... Oh, fuck. I am one of the kaiju Hollywood bad boys, Brandon Kirkman, one of your co-hosts. And who's this in the corner? Uh, you, me, or are you going straight to Aaron? <laughs> I guess I should have said that up. before. You've never gone to Luke, the Luke, I, well, just I go imagine for it. We're, like, we're all in cor- So it's a house we built, a podcasting house, and then each of us is a corner upholding it to make four corners. Well, I'm another one of your co-hosts, Luke Evans Flip, and Brandon, I don't really know what you're talking about, but... <laughs> yeah, it's, that seems about right for any time I talk, really. All right, and I'm I'm another one of your co-hosts, Martin Felschman, and you know I'd say we're all Hollywood kaiju bad boys tonight because we are bad at everything. Yeah, hey baby. <laughs> oh hey. shit, who who do we have over here? Who's who's our who's our mystery guest for the night? <laughs> this is uh, Aaron McDavis. I'm uh, yeah, this episode's guest. Uh, okay. Hell yeah, we did it. All right, let's just end the episode here, guys. We packed it up. I'm all right, my hands back and forth. It. We can say we finally did it. Um. <laughs> I've talked about this many times, but I'm going to do it anyways because we don't have it officially on any recordings. <laughs> but we originally did the movie Promare, which is a animation uh, from Japan. They called them Animation Japans uh, from 2019. It's It was decent. We all kind of felt like down the middle about it. Um, we lost that recording, and then we watched Colossal, which we're going to talk about tonight. Really uh, fun kaiju movie that's kind of We watched uh, it a month ago now. About a month ago, 
And then we all had like individual recording issues each time we tried to record it, and we decided that we would not give up. So if we, if you are listening to this, you can know that the human spirit truly does prevail, and nothing is impossible other than reforming this broken country. Anyways, uh, we're we're feeling ready to talk about Colossal from uh, is it 2016? I should actually 2016 pull. is yeah. it's probably like. I think like 2015, 2016, because Hulu says 2015, but I feel like I saw some stuff online that was like more like 2015. Yeah, it is. I, I, I think it had like a limited uh, theatrical run for uh, festivals in 2015, yeah, but like the, the fuller like, release was 16. Yeah, you definitely saw some of the like palm leaf things like yes. on the poster for the movie. It's like this is a, I got a lot of things to say about this movie. It's. Oh man, it's uh, it stars Anne Hathaway, and based on the trailers for the movie, you think it's going to be like a fun romp about a slacker woman who somehow gains control of a giant monster in South Korea. Yeah, but that's not what the movie ends up being at all. It is actually very dour, very very upsetting at times disturbing i would say yeah i would say it's it's a it, it's i don't know if a dark comedy like, like it's definitely a dramedy i'd say dark i'd say dark uh yeah because even at the end there's some good jokes i did like i i do i do want to say this right off the bat before we get into talking about the film i i really like the weird constant turns it takes because um, it's definitely like a mashup of genres because it wants to be like a dark comedy and it wants to be kind of more serious and it's also still essentially kind of a kaiju movie, which no joke. Um, and I like that they don't play it easy or play it like safe by just making it like a, a rom-com you'd forget about. Um, it, it really goes down some dark paths that really make you think about like people's abusive relationships with themselves and others. So I, I like that a lot, but I'll, I'll save that for when we get to reviews. Well, yeah, it is, like, it starts out, you think it's going to be one type of movie, and then, almost, like, right into the second act, like, halfway into the second act, that's when the entire movie flips on you. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think how the tone shifts, we could just start even kind of summarizing it. Yeah, let's, like, what, what is Anne Hathaway's character's name? Cause Gloria. I Gloria. She's living in L.A.? New York City. I think City. it's New York. Maybe New York. the Big Apple. It starts out in New York, I think, and then moves her hometown. She's unemployed, living with her boyfriend, and she's kind of like an alcoholic in a mess. I, I wouldn't say kind of like. She yeah, she is. Yeah, they. I like that even at the beginning of the film, they don't really sugarcoat that. I do think like they definitely... That was a bit more of a, with the exception of like a couple of scenes, more of a tell not showing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, they could have gone farther with it, but I, I feel like they do a serviceable job of being like. Because there's really only like one scene that I can think of where she was drunk, and it really like I believed that she was drunk. Yeah. I, I don't know. Any time she got back to the, an ongoing joke, I kind of like they set up and to kind of get where this joke starts happening. To summarize the first part of the movie where it kind of shifts is she uh, comes home drunk one night and her boyfriend Oscar, uh, who was played by, I, I want to say it was Dan Stevens, um, who uh, definitely blew up quite a bit after this film, 
because uh, he was just a bit part when I first saw this, and it's kind of funny to see that now. But regardless, uh, he's upset that she's come home drunk again, so he's actually packed up all of her clothing and told her to move out. He's trying to be kind of polite about it, so he actually says he's going on vacation for like two weeks. He just doesn't want to see her when she gets back, or when he gets back. Um, she doesn't really have a plan of what to do with her life, so she just moves back home uh, in a place, I think... I, I want to say the hometown's made up, but it's called Maidenhead, New England. I didn't look up if it's real. Um, all of our New England listeners at home, email us at podsukipodcast at gmail.com and tell us we're dipshits. It's kind of like in any small town in the USA, though. Like, yeah. You yeah. don't have yeah. to know it's New England, because I didn't know that, but it reminded me of like small towns that I grew up in, maybe a bit more like kind yeah. of like suburban small town, but... Yeah, I do very like the, relatable location. Yeah, I like that a lot about this film too. To kind of like talk about the set pieces a little bit, is I feel like the whole setting in Maidenhead when that takes place, it really feels lived in and realistic. I mean, also somebody who grew up in the suburbs before moving to the city for their adult life, um, I like that it felt like a real place and like a, a even a suburb I've been to during my lifetime uh, for how they did a lot of the sets. But her uh, her parents, I want to say, passed away. They never really. Clay. I never really say they definitely. I I thought it was like that was an, her parents live somewhere else now, and that was just an old house they had that they haven't been able to sell. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. I think that was. I think that I don't think they said it specifically, but I'm I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be the supposed to be the jam of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that might make more sense. They it, it's kind of never clearly stated other than like uh, her sister her calling her on the phone a few yeah. times to check in on it. Um, but, uh, she's basically just goes to the empty house the first night after getting there. Um, and then just kind of surveys the area and then, uh, runs into Oscar, who is played by Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis? It's fun to say. Uh, Jason Sudeikis <laughs> is having a, he, this is, I think my, one of the interesting roles of this movie is that Jason is like playing a usual Jason character at the beginning of the film. Like, hey, I'm kind of a lovable doof who's just a small-town guy, and he'll joke around a little bit. Well, um, it's definitely he's, like, I want to get right into it. I don't much care for Anne Hathaway in this movie, and I didn't much care for Jason Sudeikis until the second act, when, like, it re- when the movie changes on you, and his character really kind of does a flip, and then he's, like, the most fascinating thing in the entire movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. I would actually make an argument that uh, I really liked Anne Hathaway in this one, too. Um, I do agree. It is. I don't know if she can drunk act that well, because I, I realize she doesn't do a good job with that. But all the other serious parts of the film, I really like her in, um, especially selling this kind of... I, I like the fall from grace they paint for her. Um, when she first moves to the city and she's talking to Oscar and they're catching up at the bar... She talks about how she's kind of like a freelance writer in New York, and she's really loving her career, but she just wants to take a break from it. And then as the movie goes, it reveals that like she really hasn't written or done anything for a few years, and like she's just well, yeah, been on... because she had lost her job as a writer. She was right, like, oh, her, which she didn't write. Didn't really feel like she had much of an arc, really. I guess she does at the very end, but like it's. Like they didn't. Where, like, she was the much... talented kid. Who... Who went away and did good, but then ended up not doing so good, and then came back with her tail between their legs. Yeah, I like it was an interesting background. I don't think they invested uh, as much in like I think mean, because they were just trying. I guess they were trying to start the you know 
starts to apply it as quickly as possible. But uh, yeah, I I didn't think they uh, invested a lot in like setting up her. Like we get brief like scenes of her being like drunk, but uh, mm. I I don't think I ever saw anything that made her. Uh, until like yeah, uh, until we get to like you know get the muscle part like that made her like a misfit or a troublemaker. Other than uh, she just showed up uh, uh, the next day at her boyfriend's apartment and like they missed her to do something like oh you missed dinner. <laughs> um, I, you know, and maybe because I I like because I watched too many like other comedies where you know. Uh, you know, they're usually like you know, it's absurd. Like they, they they crash the car into a like the the build like a, a store or they uh, or like they set something on fire and they're like, yeah, I need a, mm. I I got a drinking problem. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this one was like more subtle. Oh, yeah. You know, like it felt a little bit more subtle. Where it's like, oh, um, it's hinted that she has a drinking problem, but it's not like uh, it's it's more like oh, you just have a responsibility problem. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting oh, no, it. I feel like I, uh, that's why I like her performance in this a lot, too. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like the way it, it... I like the way it showed a uh, a relationship that is just on the rocks, and they weren't, like... The, the movie wasn't in a rush to, like, put her back into a relationship with anyone. Yeah. She was just trying to kind of figure herself out. Because that, uh, that first scene between uh, Anne Hathaway and uh, Dan Stevens, who, who plays Tim, her, her... Well, I guess they're dating at the beginning. They become exes very quickly. But like it, it that like, felt it's like that. Like you break up in an argument. Like you're not together anymore, but they still call and still like. Yeah. They still have like this emotional relationship, I guess. Yeah, but I that 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 first part where she where he's he's talking to her, it's like, well, I never I never get to see you because you're always out drinking with your friends or you're doing this and that. It's like that. I mean, that feels like a genuine grievance to have in a relationship. I know it's definitely like genuine. I, I'm just saying that like it's like. It's less about her drinking and more about just her irresponsibility, you know, you know being irresponsible. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, and uh, so it, it uh, which I think works in like the second half because it's more about like Rose, like uh, understand that uh, not everything's about her partying or you know about you know how you know her having a good time and it's like you know her actions have consequences as you, as we see like drastic consequences and um uh but then it doesn't stop there it's 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 not just like you know it's okay it's not about the alcohol it's about oh it's about her entire life like from her childhood to like how she allows uh like whether it's her boyfriend or Sadiq's or a uh, character how she like like has allows men to like uh, control her or manipulate her and at the end of the day she has to kind of like find a way to like you know, take responsibility and you know, take some control over her life. I agree with that especially with Jason Sudex's character but I, it was more like for her arc to maybe make a bit more sense like her like accepting responsibility and getting past others in her life like her relation her boyfriend never seems to be like a dick really and Ooh, he's always this fairly is, reasonable. I think this is where I really want to talk on this, is I think Aaron makes a good observation. And I think that's the clever thing about this film I liked, is that he 
the boyfriend Oscar is never really a dick for what he says and does, but it's like his actions and how he kind of comes back into her life and tells her what to do. Yeah. It's this very subtle kind of controlling actions that he does. So it does. It's not as bad as Jason's character, which we'll get into later as this film goes. Oh, uh, Jason's character is Oscar. Oh, Jason, the, that's uh, right. Dan Stevens is Tim. Yeah, Tim. That's it. I got the, I got that fucked up. Uh, but Tim, uh, who's playing the boyfriend, she breaks or that he breaks up with her. He also kind of does these very. It's a more of a subtle kind of not quite gaslighting, but basically like, hey, you're in a bad place and you need to fix it. Um, but also like I'm going to tell you how to do it and kind of come back into your life to see how you're doing, which is not really how you let people recover from those situations either. So no, I thought that was still... kind of a nice touch with the story too, and it's. He's not outright abusive with how he does it, but it is definitely very kind it's, of manipulative. It's more like, more, yeah, it's like a in. subtle manipulative type of way of where he kind of puts her down at first, and then says like, "I'm here to save you." Mm-hmm. He's yeah. like, yeah, he's, so it's like you know calling someone trash and then saying that uh, I have to take care of you because like you have no, uh, you you have no power to take care of yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's textbook negging. Yeah. Yeah. And this this might also be a weird thing, and I don't think the film intended to do this, but there's also kind of like a subtle message about privilege in this. Because um, another weird thing I realized is a through line is that, like, her life's kind of fallen apart after partying and being drunk every week. And she has just, like, a house in the suburbs she can go and live in. Like, <laughs> it's also kind of a, a, a silly thing to think about and kind of ruminate on a little bit more. But they don't touch on that too much uh, in the film. I, I feel like that's not really, like, that's not a feature. That's just, it's a very indie movie. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think the uh, writer-director was Spanish or, like, Mexican. Yeah, I think he did Monster, uh, which is another pretty great film. If it's the guy I'm thinking of, let me pull it up again. Um, uh, Nacho uh, Vigalondo. Oh, no, he did did horror films. I'm thinking of another director. He's the one that did Puka, which is actually a pretty fun, like... Oh, one of those Blumhouse things? Where it turns out the spoiler alert got hit by a car. Yeah. Sorry. Listeners at home, that was a very quick spoiler alert, so sorry if you missed it. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. (laughs) Yeah. It's all right. If you watch that movie, you'll you it's not really something you'd be worried about having spoiled. I think for the for the turn the movie ended up like the movie ended up being about like nice guys. Oh yeah. Which I didn't expect which I so I think I think I would the complaints I'm having with the movie stem more from it should have been written by a woman, or at least rewritten by a woman. Yeah, I definitely yeah. see that. Yeah, more, yeah I can see that. Like, when, when did this come out? 2016? Yeah. 2016, yeah. yeah. So there were women working in Hollywood that, that long ago. Yeah, we, we just <laughs> let them in at that point. So it's, yeah. Are you kidding me? Nice. That was the same year as, yeah. as the Ghostbusters reboot. Yeah. Oh, boy. That is... Look, <laughs> what a, we we've been digging our own holes for so long in both Hollywood and politics. Um, oh hey, you know I dig holes. Yeah. And the thing that uh, you know what I'm going to go off a tangent real quick here. The the Ghostbusters 2016 film was all right. Like it was it was fine. I didn't regret seeing it. I had a good time watching it. It is very forgettable. But the fact that it was an all women cast, people had to have a very strong reaction to it either way. Is yeah, just yeah. well, yeah. Sony like they. Yeah, Sony was not against like I. I've heard that they would like delete the positive comments from YouTube videos and leave the more inflammatory ones, because then like oh you go to see our movie support women's rights. 
Oh, they're trying to stir yeah. up. Oh yeah, no, I believe that. Stir up the controversy. All very cynical. Yeah, very cynical Hollywood stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it, it's it's fucked up, and it's just like on top of that, it it is a very performative thing too, because it's not like it was. I mean, they had some female writers on it, but it was like mainly directed by Paul Feig and like a bunch of other white dudes. So it's like. Oh, we don't need to get into that. Let's let's get back to Klaus. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, fear can be very political this episode, but I mean, it is also probably a reflection of what's going on this week right now in America. Uh, anyways, that's politics fine. is life. It's fine. Yeah. Let's just let's just let's just get back to talking about this movie. That's just about how nice guys are the real monsters, and it actually is a pretty good message. Uh, so yeah. getting back on track is like. Um, Oscar and uh, Gloria are kind of reconnecting at the bar after she gets back home. Um, and yeah, I it's, like it's that. his bar. He yeah. It was parents' bar. Well, his father's bar. Or, yeah, he, yeah, he inherited well, it. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, like, we have his two friends, Joel and Garth, who were there. Um, Joel is a very uh, handsome young man, we'll say. And then Garth is played by Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, type his, new, his name in. You'll be like, oh, shit, I've seen that guy in every film. Yeah. Um, Great character actor. Yeah. Monaco, like, oh, yeah. I don't know if he's in a lot of Coen Brothers stuff. I know he's in Oh, Brother, Where Are You yeah. Now? Yeah, he's in, uh, oh, he, he, plays, in uh, he plays he's in the, the latest one. titular uh, Buster Scraggs in the new Buster Scraggs one yeah. they did, too. Yeah, Buster Scraggs, Ooh. yeah. yeah. He's, he is a fantastic actor. Um, but... Uh, it's it's interesting how they set up the dynamics because he's basically kind of joking around with Gloria and then his two friends and like their conversations are fun and witty to listen to at first but like Oscar gets a few quips in that are kind of mean but like uh they just kind of slide I off mean, people's backs. I don't know. They, I don't feel their conversation very funny. Those early like them hanging out at the bar after hours. Those things they're kind of painful to watch because they seem so unnatural. Like how like a like how like a college film writer sees people hanging out, like how they imagine it was. It didn't yeah. seem too, super believable. I but feel there's... like for the for the tone the movie was showing at the time, those scenes worked very well. It felt like they were trying to lull you into that false sense of security. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I, yeah. I like the, the first the first act of this movie, I did not like very much at all because I thought it was going to be. I thought like you and I. Don't know how much of this is on his purpose. Like when Oscar shows up and he's being really nice to Olivia, is that her name? Gloria. Yeah. Gloria. When he's being really nice to her, like she has nothing in her apartment, he keeps bringing, he brings her a TV, like a couch. And you think it's going to be like a. And even from the trailers, it looks like it's going to be a funny, fun romp of a movie. Just you a little skip around. Like light, lighthearted, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Lighthearted, kind of corny. Yeah, you think kinda... they're both. They're both going to figure out how to love again, something like that. Well, one of them will for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah. The the it. I do think that for giving the movie some breathing space, I like the first act, but then it does go at a lot quicker breakneck speed after that, so it feels a little disjointed. Um, but after getting through that, this when it really picks up is after she's been drinking that night. Um, Oscar points out she has a tick where she kind of keeps itching the top of her head. And it's important later because she, as she's getting it's drunk, she goes. Important one scene later. Well, yeah. So. Well, I mean, if it's important one scene, then it's still important. It's a Chekhov's head itch, as they say. Um, <laughs> if you itch your head in a film, you're going to have it come back in the second act. Uh, so she she gets drunk and she starts heading home like very early in the morning because they were out all, all night drinking. And well, yeah, she Oscar walks... gives her a job at his bar, 
And yeah. basically him and his weird townie buddies and her, every night afterwards, they'll just hang out and drink all night. Yeah. Which is fun. I will admit that. I miss those days in college. Um, but uh, as she's going home that one early morning, she goes through a playground that's kind of close to her house, um, like around 8 a.m., and then they kind of highlight this like weird memory she has, but she can't quite remember. And then all of a sudden when she wakes up in the morning in the news... She sees that there's been a giant kaiju attack in South Korea, uh, Seoul, yeah. uh, specifically. I kind of like the whole, her, like, like Oscar will show up at her apartment with something. And, like, we talked about this last night. You don't remember that? Like, her being blackout drunk. Yeah. And I do feel that's a bit, like, tell, not show. But then later on in the movie, when Oscar becomes more of a bad guy, you think, like, Maybe they didn't talk about it the night before, and he's just using that as an excuse yeah, to that's get into her life. that's what I was thinking yep. about. Like, what if, like... Yeah, I, like, that's why I was kind of, like, uh, looking at it. That's how I was looking at it, how he's just like, oh, yeah, remember we talked about this because we needed this and stuff like that? And she's like, and she just takes his word for it. So, like, it's, like, so out of hand. He's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I yeah. do like that touch again. Uh, and I think uh, Luke definitely made a good point earlier of, like, they could have written her character a little bit better to make her more definitive, but... As Oscar kind of develops, like, his type of good guy, terrible person act becomes so clear that it makes you really think about the whole kind of framing of his narrative, the whole film. Yeah, well, the first scene you have that really kind of gets to it, there's the younger guy that they hang out with and drink with at the bar. And Anne Hathaway, like, says some flirty things to him. And then he all, like, after she does that, he tries to kiss her, and she pulls back. And then Jade Sudeikis gets really pissed off about it. Hey, we already talked about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So first day here, you're going to fuck it up, where, like, Jane Sudeck is, like, he becomes a nice guy, like I said earlier, where, like, he's, like, he would never, he wouldn't do that, but he's constantly inserting himself into her life, giving her anything that he can think of. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I think is a really good touch is that he does a very manipulative move that you'll see a lot of bad dudes do, which is... He'll, like, kind of have an outburst against her or one of his friends, and then he'll, like, apologize the next day. He's like, oh, what I did so shitty. You know, I'll be better. I'm working on it. And, like, it's clear that he's not, and he recognizes it, but it's almost like a tool of his own manipulation of, like, oh, you know what? I'm actually a pretty nice guy, and this is just a one-off thing. You don't have to worry about it happening again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's – it's really interesting how they start setting that up. It kind of progress. What's that? Sorry, I was saying that that part hit close to home uh, for me because yeah, like uh, I had a like years ago had a friend, uh, long time friend who actually like you know would do stuff like that, and then it got to a point where like we had a yeah I had to cut ties with him, and it was, but it was that same situation mm-hmm. of you know oh I'm so sorry about this uh, you know I'm really a nice guy, and then. More I feel like that, that was yeah. kind of the theme of alcoholism a lot yeah. in that as well, because that's a big, yeah. like, addiction. Yeah, it's, right. it's got oh, some like... good themes to it like that. And yeah, it's 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 sad to hear, but I mean, I also, I can recall a very specific friend I had in high school, too, that I had to, like, cut out of my life, especially, like, when I started going off to college. It, I think that's why I really like this film, uh, watching it again, too, for this podcast, because I watched it a few years back, is, like, it's it's very smartly written, even though it is still kind of a kaiju film, and like to get to that part is um, when she's been drinking and she goes through the park, she connects the dots pretty quickly that somehow she is, whenever she goes through the park, like at 8am specifically, she appears as a giant monster in Seoul 
that does whatever yeah, she a, does. There's a little montage of her like figuring out exactly how it works. Like it only mm-hmm. she has to be in that one specific park. She figures out that Soul is like, I guess, supposed to be literally exactly on the other side of the planet. Yes, because like, like that's important for the ending. Yeah, and I do, yeah. man. I like the ending a lot too, but we'll wait till we get there. I, I I will say I I very much enjoyed the uh, the kaiju parts when they started happening, and I enjoy I enjoy the film overall. But they don't they don't feel like they mesh together all that well. Yeah, I think it, it's I like the looseness of it for how the film felt too. Um, but yeah, it definitely has kind of a mismatch kind of feeling to it as it goes throughout the film. It's a, it's a little yeah. strange, like when especially when when she starts sees it for the first time, she's all like, "Oh my god, this is." There's a giant monster, and, like, okay, I guess people would react like that in real life, but also this is, like, it seemed like a weird reaction for the movie, and especially for her to have. Yeah. Um, it definitely felt like the, the film was trying to tackle uh, just realer instances of, of people being emotionally manipulative, while the world around is also like, hey, people are hanging out in a bar to watch the news every night in case a kaiju comes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that... That made me, uh, I, I couldn't suspend my disbelief for that, because uh, I, well, I guess I just don't like hanging out in bars, but that yeah. can, I'm, I'm a jerk, so that doesn't matter. Well, the thing is, like, you could even just have those scenes where the bar was packed and people were watching it, but the movie did a very, like, faux pas of Oscar comedy, like, oh yeah, this is good for us, because the more uh, this happens on the news, the more people we have in the bar. I'm like, okay, this is, like, I know the country parts. don't have to talk about the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I can sus- suspend my disbelief for the kaiju's, but for some reason that comment's like, "Come on, movie! You don't, you don't even need to say that out loud. It's definitely a show. Don't tell thing." Um, I mean, the, again, the movie, the script could have used and used a rewrite. Yeah, I think yeah. That is, that's a good point. If it had a little bit more punch up, I think it would be a lot more fun to remember. Some dialogue kind of... that doesn't need to be there. Just fucking cut it out. Yeah, um, but as this happens, she finally sh- like shares her secret with uh, her kind of ragtag group of drunk friends. Um, and as it kind of progresses, Oscar realizes that when he goes through at the same time, he also appears, but it's like this giant robot. Um, and at first it's like they're kind of having fun with it and messing around with it. But this is when the film goes super dark. Well, before that, like, she was really upset because, like, she was, when she was showed them that she was the monster, she was drunk and she trips and she like destroys like a couple of buildings and so and she's really torn up about that and that's also when Jason Zekas figures out like oh when i'm in the sandbox and i'm in the little park i look i'm a robot on the other side of the planet yeah uh yeah. and yeah it's it is interesting like the build up for that too um but I think it is definitely like an exact tone shift of after Oscar figures it out and they have like a few more conversations. They basically start talking about like, hey, you know, we, we can't do this anymore. Let's not play around. And Oscar kind of agrees to it first. And then um, basically after he finds out that she did, she sleep with the one friend. I think they yeah, had. Yeah, she did. Well, yeah. Like he, and the, he, he found out. Because, like, she was being sly about it. Like, oh, hey, where do you live? She went there, like, after they'd stopped drinking. She slept with him. And then she sees that the robot's in South Korea, which means Jason Sudeikis is in the park. So she goes there, like, what the fuck are you doing? You gotta get the fuck out of here. And he's, yeah. they come there together, and that's how he, when he's like, oh, 
Did she fucking sleep together. with him? That fucking whore. Yeah, like, he even uses that language, uh, basically, and then, like, the next day he apologizes for it. But, like, when she confronts him at first, she goes up to him and, like, gives him a slap, and I like the buildup of even her hitting him is kind of like, whoa, she's taking this really serious and this feels kind of intense. But, like, it looks like for a second he's, like, thinking about hitting her, but he, like, backs down. He's like, okay, I'll get out of here. Um, and then, basically, that's when he starts getting more and more manipulative well, towards... yeah, that's when the real turn for his character happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, the movie kind of progresses, and then it starts getting to the point where, like, uh, they have a few more conversations at the bar, and, like, just to show how upset Oscar is, he starts saying just some really mean things about his two other friends, like the one, uh, character that's played by, um, uh, Tim Blake Nielsen. He talks about, like, his cocaine habit, and, like, he just gets completely offended and leaves. Well, yeah, because he keeps going to the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and that's something that I hadn't even noticed in the movie, and then he's like... Oh, you can sort anything you want to in my bar, and he's all pissed off because like I, I haven't been doing, I haven't stored shit in years, and you know he's lying. But yeah, yeah just Jason Sudeikis is just lashing out at everyone around him. And even mm-hmm. then, he's trying to seem like the good guy with uh, Tim Blake Nielsen's character, which is named Garth, by saying things like, "Hey, I could have told the police on you at any time, and you could be in jail. So I just want you to know, like, I'm keeping you safe." Which is like completely fucked up logic, but something a very manipulative person, of course, would say. And then he basically just tells Joel to fuck off because he knows that he fucked Gloria, so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also, like, these are, like, his toadies, really. Like, he they hang around because he's got that bar, he's got money, and alcohol, I guess. Yeah. He even tries to get, like, Anne Hathaway's not drinking, and he tries to force her to drink a beer. I think he does force her saying he'll go to the park and smash buildings if she doesn't drink the beer. Yeah, after, like, the big fight and all of that. Or actually, no, before he gets into, like, the fight with all his friends, that night before he does that, and it is, like, a good kind of... It is a slow and good progression to, like, how dark that character is. Um, But after that happens, he basically shuts all of his friends away. It's just kind of him and Gloria going at it, and it feels very controlling. And then Tim shows up, too, um, which I think culminates into a really great scene of, like, Tim tells, you know, her, like, oh, you can come back with me, don't worry about this, you don't need to be in this low-life bar. Are you talking about the fireworks scene? Yeah, man, it's, I really like that scene a lot. Mm. That came Best out of nowhere. Movie. Yeah. That came out of nowhere. It, it came out of nowhere, it was very unexpected, <laughs> but also, like, yeah. it really set that tone shift really well, where yeah, it's, yeah. like, it's not the darkest thing, but it just shows you, like, how, how manipulative and deranged yeah. to Oscar's character is. Mm-hmm. Um, He's selling it. They're going full hog there too. Like uh, that's another thing about this, about like self-loathing. How like the way you feel about yourself, you try to treat others like that. Uh, and I, I felt like that was like a, like a really good example of it, where that's his bar. That's really like the one thing he has of any value to like uh, just not not just him, the town or whatever. And uh, that's his one. Uh, he's like he's also using like to control Gloria and his friends. They all congregate to that that bar for better or worse. And uh, the fact that he'll just set it ablaze, like he'll just set like huge fireworks off, you know, all off, and uh, set everything on fire. And set, and then he says that the like uh, when he's talking to her ex, uh, he says like. She'll she'll still not go with you. She's still she's still staying with me, even after I did this. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he's he's definitely like tr- like trying to like claim ownership of her, 
Yeah. It is such a riveting scene because I usually I'm usually not a fan of Jason Sudeikis, and I think it is because they would like cast him in movies as like the hero, but he's not that. He play like he's either like a backup character or he's the villain because he played this villain so well, and that scene's so riveting because he's as he's like giving like this long monologue talking about the most irresponsible thing you could do in this bar. He's like yelling at his regular customers. He's throwing tables and chairs to make room for this big ass firework. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a really great scene because it's also I feel like kind of a a good analogy to like how he views his relationship with Gloria of like that Gloria's his, but also he could destroy that relationship whenever he wants if it suits his needs to show that he has the dominance. Like all mm. all around, I feel like for the 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 failings of this movie. And kind of weird tone shifts. This scene was so well done that I, I I saw this a few years back and then watched this again. I still think about this scene a lot. And not a lot of films can like have that kind of staying power in your mind like that, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I think like it was so, it, it's so simple and yet it, it tells so much. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice if like the whole film kind of had that tone if they could have figured it out. And I, I once again I think Luke made a great point. If like it had a few more passes or like a few more hands on the script or something, it would have, uh, maybe it would have been able to I get say there. Like, I, say, I say like a rewrite, like a rewrite or two would have, like, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I didn't, I thought the movie was pretty boring till Jason Sudeikis became a villain. Yeah. Or, yeah. I say go opposite, get an ADR guy into, like, write in off scenes where people say, like, oops, I slipped into something and, like, a loud fart noise <laughs> happens. Oops, I cut my pants. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Make it like a, a rip roaring comedy where you don't see any of it on film, but it's like what, like what they did with Wet Hot American Summer. Just add a bunch of farts to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, I think I've always matured as a person, and that comedy is something where it has to be more cerebral or cerebral. Again, cerebral. My words. Cerebral. Cerebral. I can't even say the word right, and it's funny I'm trying to say a word to make myself sound intelligent. But I feel like I've gotten smarter with my comedy. But every once in a while, I'll go back and watch the Wet Hot American Summer edit with the farts, and it still makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> and you can um, you can be smart and still think farts are funny. Farts yeah, are funny. Yeah, it's true. Everybody does it. It's true. Even the president. Um, that's right. We're coming for him. Uh, Especially the his president. Don't make a, his don't make a sound, though, because his asshole's too big around. Yeah, mm. that's a good point. It's, you just smell something awful every once it's in a while. A... <sighs> Oof. Oh man, that's ugh. I don't want to think about it too much. Let's get back <laughs> to the movie. Uh I, at this point too is this kind of escalates. Tim does leave and Gloria basically goes to confront him at the park cuz he threatened to basically go to the park if he doesn't if she doesn't stay in town. Um but she still wants to get him out from the kind of, you know, playground so he's not crushing things as the giant robot in North or South Korea. Um, so she hits him, but this time he hits her back, and that scene is also very intense. They don't. I like that this film does not sugarcoat it. It's very, I'd say, kind of a very violent feeling scene, and it feels very bad watching it. But it's that, also that, kinda, that was a very, yeah that was I definitely like oh shit I yeah. think I said well, that out loud yeah because like he intentionally kills people in Seoul, Korea after like you know like, mm-hmm. he doesn't just hit her yeah. he smacks her down and then yeah and this stomped around the, on, around the playground so he's initially just simply just like yeah stomping on people well that does bring up one problem I had with the movie like the, the monsters have been showing up for at least a week that whole area would have been evacuated why is it every time they show up people are right at its feet running away 
Yeah, Barbara brought that up too when we were watching it together. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but also, it it is a film that's kind of like, I would say like a magical surrealism to it to begin with, where it didn't bother me too much. Um, and they also tried to up the stakes too, where like they were on the news, they kept talking about the monster appearances, like, oh, we're going to have to resort to like nuclear warfare. Um, they, uh, the scene, I think, and we're getting to the end of it, and I really like how it kind of amps up for the ending, even though it kind of feels like it goes pretty fast is that after she gets punched out and he destroys some people in the city, um, she just sits there and he says that basically if you don't remain in this town and you're not here each day, I'm going to walk through the playground, which he's basically threatening to like destroy all of Seoul. Um, so she goes to the, she goes back to her house after that. And she just like looks really depressed and defeated, but she like starts thinking. And then we see her go through like a series of like ordering tickets and then on a plane. And then finally she ends up in South Korea and this is where I really like the turn of the film. As she's going through South Korea, she uh, she gets a call from Tim and tells Tim, like, hey, I'm in South Korea. And he's like, what are you doing there? Why didn't you tell me? And she just says, like, I don't need to tell you anything. We're not dating. You don't control me. And yeah, I think that was a good way of showing that, like, Tim wasn't being quite as abusive, but he was still doing very similar things. In his, like, she yeah, kind his of... own way, he was being, like, mm-hmm. slightly yeah, and in a way, he was also doing controlling things like Oscar, where not directly controlling her, but like, hey, you're drunk, so I'll just give you money to live with me, and you can do what you need to, but also kind of blame her for having that lifestyle while supporting it. So there's like a lot of very kind of light tones in this film that could have been better if they worked on it more, but I still like that it's there. So um, I yeah, should say one, those, say one It's one of those things. Sorry. Uh, oh, no, go ahead. I was saying, like, it's one of those things where. The idea, like, you know, it has some really good ideas. It's just, uh, it either, like, rush the script or story too, like, too quickly, like, try to, like, put something up too quickly and didn't, you know, take as much time to flesh them out. Maybe with, like, uh, like, if we were talking about, like, you know, draft, they could have, uh, maybe have, like, gone into more depth with her, you know, her ex and, uh, you know, like, really explored, uh, like, you know, her bouts to alcoholism other than, you know, just partying. Like, like how bad was it, like, before that? Yeah, yeah. one, like, main theme never really comes into play. Like, it's, it's a bunch of different themes, but not not a very cohesive movie. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, I think uh, I like that looseness to this film, and I, I did appreciate it. I think it, this is a weird thing to say, especially in a day and age where so many movies are just way too fucking long. Like, still thinking about how Infinity War is popular as it's like a two and a half hour movie. This yeah, could have yeah. used like maybe a just good extra 10 to 15 minutes, and I think they could have fleshed out a few things to make it either more cohesive or felt like it wasn't like these weird tone shifts. Uh, they also could have deleted all the explaining how the monsters came to exist. Yes. Sort of stuff. That's completely unnecessary. Yeah, that's the one detail I forgot they to left. Just, uh, they left they could have just, um, uh, the, like, when she had her little. That could have just been the beginning. And then... Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is I forgot to talk about that because they hinted the flashback and it happens right before she leaves. Is She has a flashback where her and Oscar as kids, because they grew up together, were going through that place where the playground is now. And it shows that even back then Oscar was like manipulative because she had like this diorama for a project they were working on and she did a much better job. So he's upset mm-hmm. about it. So he crushed it. And then she got so angry. She started yelling at him and then lightning struck her. And I guess they're trying to say like, this is what caused the two monsters to come about because like 
two action figures fell out of their backpacks. Yeah, they each they each had the specific action figure of the monster they would become later. But like, Mm. all shenanigans on that because like, okay, I get him. He had like a nondescript robot, but her thing that's a fairly memorable monster design. Like, you're not gonna remember that's an action figure you had as a kid. Yeah, had a cheap corny like a little corny like Dollar General toy. Yeah. Yeah. Or it, I, another thing is, like, just a simple look at the script is, like, it could have even been, like, the figures they'd made in their dioramas or something like that. But regardless, they kind of explain it that way. It's good enough for me for, like, how loose the film is. I'm like, yeah, it's acceptable. I don't I don't need to think about it too much. My my disbelief, once again, is suspended. It's fine. Um, but she, I thought, I, like, they could have said nothing, and I wouldn't have questioned it at all. Like, I wish yeah. they had said nothing. I... I, I kind of would have preferred if they said nothing, because this just, I... Yeah, it's a little simple. I, I, I mean, I, she she made a, a diorama of souls, so I guess that's why they... Well, that and the fact that it's on the exact opposite side of the Earth. But it's it's very weird how Korean people in the movie are just kind of props. Yeah, There's not yeah even that's like, not so hot. That's true. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like there are, like, certain ideas that, like, before they even started writing the movie that, like... I got this idea in my head. I think that, especially the the idea of a person controlling a kaiju, and I think the going to the other place to make the monster appear in the original place, that was probably a founding idea of the script. Yeah. So I think it kind of works in principle, but to get back on track at the very ending of she basically decided to go to South Korea and she's pieced together exactly where it would be on the opposite side of the earth, and lo and behold, there's a playground there. So as his monster form appears in South Korea, she goes in the playground, and then basically her monster form appears right where he is in the park. So she picks him up and basically has decided, like, okay, I'm just going to throw him far enough to kill him to save all these people. Which, at first, it's like, I I do like the weight that it kind of shows she's thinking about it, and, like, this is a person. But then, like, also remembering, like, he's already killed dozens of people in South Korea, and he's, like, yeah. doing this weird... And also, he calls her, like, a fucking bitch, but, like, yeah. she can't hear that. But yeah. it, it, I feel almost like, for a second, they imply that she can hear it. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it was a fine scene, a fine ending. It was a little... Mm, a little on the nose, maybe. I think how it's acted out, I liked it because they kind of show his character really well in the scene. Because when he's first picked up, he's like panicking and even starts to cry a little bit. So you feel bad for him. But right at the break, when he starts crying, he just screams, you fucking bitch. So it kind of mm-hmm. reveals like his whole character in just a few emotions. It's like, yeah, it's um, like you're, you're taking, he's showing that manipulative side of him again in a few few seconds. Where he's like, you know, when he's crying, you're like, oh, well, maybe he's learned his last name. And then I do like yeah. instantly the film snaps and like Anne Hathaway's ready to make a touchdown because she flings that motherfucker far. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It is slightly cartoony, but I do like that is like his ending and like how they get rid of him too. Um, I mean, he and did the slaughter film... a bunch of people. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the film kind of ends abruptly, but I like it. And she goes into this this bar in South Korea and she's like, oh, I got the craziest story to tell you. And then right at the very end, the bartender's is like, would you like a drink? And then she just sighs heavily. I really yeah, like that ending yeah. a lot. That made me laugh, too. That was funny. I, I thought, I, yeah, that was probably the biggest laugh the movie got out of me. It's, I thought, it's I a like, good oh, laugh. Are you, is she going to change? Like, no, she's probably going to have a drink there, get drunk, and tell the story to the bartender. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a, like, yeah. that's a, I, 
it's a, it is, it's a, I think it is a dark comedy. I look at it as a dark comedy, but it's like one of those, like it's one of those films where, like, the comedy isn't necessarily like, haha, this is hilarious. This is just, oh, that's interesting. Like it's, it's, it's amusing to watch or it's amusing to like notice whatever slight joke they have here. Because uh, it's, yeah, it's really, um, it's like like that one of those subtle like English plays that, you know, just like. The, the yeah you know the dryness of whatever like humorous take they have is like oh that, that was clever yeah I agree with that too and uh, I also like that the ending is ambiguous where you don't know if she's gonna order a drink and start relapsing or like this is where she turns it around but it's also like a I, good... I, even if she did have a drink I don't know if I'd call it relapse because she hasn't really dealt with her problems so much she's learned to have some respect for herself I guess yeah yeah um, but it's it is like a good message of like it is also like an internal struggle you have like if you're somebody who's an alcoholic or recovering from addiction like it's something that doesn't like really go away and it's something that you're always fighting and kind of like sighing against so I do mm-hmm. I do like that for the ending quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a fine ending. Although it, as uh, Martin was saying, South Koreans just being props. Did anybody else find it weird that, that she went to the bar and the Korean bartender immediately started speaking English. English. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's super uncommon for I. I, I guess I'm, you're Korea. You see a white lady. You assume American. Yeah. That's yeah. Not too bad. Well, I, I um, know like uh, yeah, like uh, they, um, uh, a lot of her stuff is like uh, you know, they have a lot of business and like political, you know, political and financial business with like U.S. anyway. So uh, mm-hmm. a lot of them would like some. I'm not saying the whole country is multilingual, but there's like a significant. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty high. I know that in uh, Canada, in like the French Canadian parts, if you want them to not be rude to you, the first thing you say is in French. Like it's not, you don't have to speak French, but if you say like bonjour, they'll know that you're not like regular Canadian, yeah. and they won't be dicks to you. <laughs> so if I ever walk into like a bar like in Montreal, I'm just gonna be like Sucker at Blue. <laughs> Don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> well, no, I'm a real one. If you have, you're in like Quebec or Montreal. Yeah. Um, I think we should get to the reviews of this film. I'm not gonna do the usual Machamp. I think since it's a little more serious, we should take it more serious. So I think we should do this one out of four. Uh, Jason Sudeikis is flying through the air to his death. Um, I'm gonna give it three. Why four? Because four is like a good number, I feel like. We can do five. Ever, how many lists have five stars? Right? Was four better than five? I think four is kind of common. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll think about it <laughs> let's, later. Let's just, let's, let's just do it out of let's, let's just do it out of a hundred. Okay, a hundred flying Jason Sudeikis is to his death. I would give this film uh, a, a good 75 uh, Jason Sudeikis is flying to their deaths. Uh, because I, I think it's a really good film. It has some really memorable scenes that I, I like quite a bit where I've thought about them well after the movie. Um, but the the script and a lot of the pacing is very disjointed, so it's it's hard to ignore that. But overall, it's a really good experience, and I think it is a really good message on like abusive relationships and like recovery um, as an adult. So it, it's it's got it's got high marks. It's not quite like gold quality, but it, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I will probably go seventy-five percent flying Jason Sudeikis as well. Because in the beginning, I thought it was kind of boring. I thought the movie was gonna go like uh, 
stupid girl comes back in town, meets nice dude who runs a bar. He's not really quite sure of himself. They help each other out and learn to love again. But then made the turn when Jason Sudeikis became a nice guy, an incel, essentially. And mm-hmm. then then I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of really like what this movie is doing. And also, I think, like, I've never been a big fan of Jason Sudeikis, so seeing him something where, like, I thought he did a really good job was kind of refreshing for me. Like, usually I'll see him in something like, <laughs> He has a very punchable face. I'm sure he's a great <laughs> dude. Yeah. But he does have, like, a face where, like, Write that smirk off you face, you asshole. Yeah, it's a real Colin Jost effect, if you will. Um, yeah. As we talked about last episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, Seth I, Meyer. Him, I actually would punch Seth in the Meyer. fire face if I ever see him. Wow, damn it. <laughs> basically, all, their, all, all the SNL um, uh, news anchors are all the SNL. Yeah, they have like, a real talent for getting like the smuggest looking assholes. I don't know why. They, they really do. And they, and they designate them to uh, Weekend Update every time. Like Dennis Miller, yeah. uh, Kevin Nealon, uh, Chevy Chase. Yeah, that's a that's a bad list right there. The only really yeah. hey, is Norm McDonald. Norm, Norm McDonald, Norm. Tina Fey. Tina Fey used to be, do Weekend Update. Yeah, that, those are some good ones. Yeah, she I did liked, it with uh, somebody, though, didn't she? Yeah, yeah no, she did it with... Uh, oh, fuck. Jimmy Kimmel, I think. Why, is, why, is, why is my brain not working? Amy Poehler? Amy Poehler, thank yeah. you. And then I also was kind of a fan of Michael Chase for a little bit until I found out the dude couldn't take a fucking joke, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I like Michael Chase, though. Yeah, he's... he, he is, It's... Read about it. Uh, specifically, a comedian like Jack Allison, like, called him out. And it was, like, lighthearted jokes, and, like, Michael Chase went, like, psychotic on him. And it was like, whoa, what is wrong with Michael? <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, Got that Quinn SNL stress. was also one of the... Now, Colin Quinn's interesting, because I think he's a guy who actually wants his face to be punchable. Like, he kind of runs on that, and I don't mind it, because he's a pretty good comedian, and he he knows that about himself. Oh, I, th- I, I think I think it's just, he's uh, old school New York, so he probably got punched in the face a lot and doesn't care. Yeah, yeah he's like, what are you going to do about it? His head looks like it was made out of wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also really liked him in Trainwreck. Anyways, uh, who who else got some reviews to go? Oh, I'll I'll go ahead. I I'm I'm sorry to follow the curve, but I will also give this film seventy five flying Jason Sudeikis's out of a hundred because uh, I did enjoy it and I definitely would recommend it. It has I th- I think we covered all all or if not most of the like just weaknesses of the movie, but it's still an enjoyable film that goes some interesting places. Yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, 75%, but 100% to that 75%. <laughs> I agree, 100% to your 75%. Yeah, feels right. Yeah. Uh, this is me now. Um, actually, I'm going to give it 80. Um, the reason why I'm saying 80, uh, one, because I'm, I'm not a sheep. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm. 5% is within the margin of error. Yeah, it's supposed to go. Within the margin, so. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, the reason I'm saying 80 is because I, uh, no, I, I agree with everybody's, like, points. Uh, like, the, the, the last half of it is, like, uh, I, I really did enjoy it because, I guess because it's, it's relatable. Um, 
like uh, just watching, you know, watching the story, watching like uh, you know, uh, events that are happening with like Vegas, and and I'm just looking at it like, I I, I just went through this a few years ago. What the like, so uh, that was the most intriguing part. And so like when yeah, when he got flung <laughs> through the air, I uh. Hathaway. You were thrown through the air? No, when he got when Jason C. Bacon. <laughs> yeah, I, I got thrown I got fling to the air right so what happened. Yeah. No. It actually didn't hurt too bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but like uh when I saw that I was just kinda like, Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so because of yeah. that, yeah. Because of that I felt like there were parts I could definitely relate to. Uh like on the Anne Hathaway side, not not I I'm not sending. Well, yeah, I I like that you say that, and it made me like an interesting thought slash feeling I had was like after she sleeps with the younger dude, like some part of me was trying to convince myself like, oh, she shouldn't have done that, but I kept thinking like, no, she is, yeah, no reason to not sleep with him. Like, like they're not in love, so fucking what? And I was like, yeah, that's yeah, kind of like, oh, like yeah, that's confronting like. A negative thing about myself, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think any like good piece of media or film like that that can do that, you know, hats off to it. So, I, I think eighty is a good rating for it. And uh, yeah, overall, I'd say it, it's a pretty highly recommended film. It's definitely one of the more like serious discussions we had about a film in a bit. But also, it's because we were not watching a North Korean kaiju film where Kim Jong Il kidnaps someone. So that also might be why. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, that's to, to quickly explain that, Aaron. The last episode we watched pulled Gasari, which is a film that was made by two people that were kidnapped by Kim Jong Il to make a film for him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's it, read the history on it or listen to that last episode. It is wild, dude. It is. It's a it's a wacky time. We didn't have to watch anything today because we watched this like a month ago. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this uh, yeah, it makes it nice and easy, and we can go right to stupid games to uh. You know, get a let's get a little silly. We just talked about emotionally and physically abusive people. Who wants to have some laughs, guys? <laughs> Quit playing Stupid games. Get <laughs> yeah. my uh, propeller hat on, and but yeah, also, uh, yeah, getting the getting the giggle giggle the, getting the giggle zone. Uh, but no, also that stuff is good to talk <laughs> about. Um, but oh, that's what oh, I hate the that's what the theme song should be. That that little, you know, that song I'm talking about. Yeah, but I, I absolutely hate it. I don't know why, but it evicts feelings of just <laughs> pure loathing for some reason. Really? Where did you used to play it? Were you SpongeBob? It it wasn't SpongeBob, but there was something that used to play it a lot as like a commercial bumper that I'm trying to remember now. But I remember as a kid hearing it, and being infuriated by it. Um, I like it. I, I I love that. I think it's. <laughs> Especially when SpongeBob used it. Yeah, and it was pretty funny. SpongeBob. Um, but I did want to kick it off with a, a "Who in the fuck is Ron Canada?" Because uh, I think America needs to heal. We all need a little more Ron Canada in our life. And I've been really enjoying mixing it up by giving you three series he might have been in. Because uh, this motherfucker, he got acting for days. Um, Ooh, I'm gonna, uh, Aaron. Aaron, do you remember who Ron Canada is? Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's the best answer we've had. Just turned now. Nah. Uh, he, he was the judge. He was the judge in Ted Two, which is the example we always give. Um, but well, he was only a... in Ted Two. Not oh, Ted I know this guy. Okay, 
Rebel, yeah, exactly, because yeah, I, yeah. I say this rule jokingly every time, but anytime I tell this to a guest, they're like, okay, I know who this dude is exactly right away. Yeah. Um, but he's had over 200 roles, and we've really come to love him on this podcast. But one thing I've been doing to mix it up is I'm going to give you three series he was possibly in. Okay. One of them he was definitely in. And I'm going to go with some famous 2010s that everybody's watching back in the day. So do you think that Ron Canada had a part in possibly, here we go, uh, Parks and Recreation, Choice 2, The Office, Choice 3, The Good Place. Go in the Michael Scherz. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and shoot ahead of everyone. I'm going to say he was in an episode of The Good Place. Ooh, damn, dude. I'm going to say The Office because Good Place doesn't sound 2010-y enough. Hey, it is, though. Think about it. It was on like four years ago. Was when it premiered. Yeah, two thousand ten. That's two. That's two thousand like uh, seventeen when it started. Late, that's still late two thousand ten. Still counts. Okay. Yeah. We need to come up with a better name than the two thousand tens. The tots. The tight. The tidy. The tidy tots. <laughs> the before time. And then uh, Aaron, what's your what's your guess? Um, we'll do parts recreation. All right, guys, guess what? The winner this round is Luke. It was The uh, Office. He played Mr. Haskins. Uh, and that was what? in, like, 2013, so that's definitely when the series had jumped the shark well well afterwards, so it's fine if you missed mm. him, but also I'm sure he was still funny. Wait, 2013? That show was still on? I think Office, it did until, yeah. like, 2015. Let me see. Wow. Really? Oh, that I was the last I... season, 2013. Oh, that was the year I moved to Chicago. But I remember like watching the last episode, like I think as it aired. Where I don't can't remember where that. I, I think now, or maybe it's just like the point where it's lines are blurring. So <laughs> yeah, it, I was it, thinking. It, <laughs> wow, I'm really having my mind blown because I I thought The Office actually started more like 2009 or 2008. This series aired in 2005 and yeah. went to 2013. Yeah, because uh, it, it was when, like, 30 Rockets just started and um, what else was uh, on at the time? Um, I think it was the only two I remember. Like, uh, yeah, yeah 30 Rockets, I think, ended in 2012. Yeah. They only had, like, seven seasons, though. Yeah. I always feel like Parks and Rec will be a series that I, I still enjoy and can go back and have fun with. And then The Office has an age as well because it was going from those, like, the mid-2000s to the early 2010s, all of comedy was about being a jackass and doing very uncomfortable and appropriate things and still having blackface for some reason. But by, like, the time it got to Parks and Rec, people were like, why don't we just write, like, lovable characters that actually interact with each other and make good jokes they sling at each other? And I always like that shift a little bit more. And The Office was in this weird space where it started off where all the characters were really mean, and then all the characters became likable, and then the show just went too long. So it's a very weird kind of like staleness. Yeah, it well, gets to, yeah it's, like. it, when once Steve Carell left, pretty much, yeah, it was like yeah. the beginning of the end. <laughs> he he was carrying the show too. It's like, come on, yeah. guys, just let it go. I know you want your yeah. money, but yeah, fine. Um, I'm bringing back another show. Show, fuck me, my brain tonight. <laughs> Uh, I'm bringing back another game we've been doing recently that I've been really enjoying, um, which is simply called How Tall is Steve Buscemi? Um, <laughs> we are once again asking you, how tall is Steve Buscemi? So this, we had a funny thing happen. We've been doing this for about four episodes, and each time uh, my other two hosts have forgotten how tall Steve Buscemi is, 
We just did... I remember this time. Yeah, we just did an episode two nights ago. So I'm going to let Aaron answer first, but how tall do you think Steve Buscemi is? Like, oh, we're going by, like, uh, actual, like, feet, or we're going by, like, Buscemi heads or something? I mean, you I mean, could do Buscemi heads in all of my calculations. <laughs> tell you any way you want to describe height? Yeah, yeah that's true. You're breaking okay. the rules already. All right. <laughs> 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 Four uh, wine boxes. Uh, actually, okay. So what? Uh, what, what film? So the series and <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, Do you need help with the Steve Buscemi movie? I'm trying to think of it right now. Um, Fargo. Yeah, Fargo. Big Lebowski. Yes, Steve Buscemi is the size of uh, like forty pounds of wood chips. Yeah, uh, I'll say he's um, Madison. I'll, yeah, I'll I'll say he's uh, I, uh, I don't know. It's, Not a lot on the line for this. I you don't, don't win anything. <laughs> Your life is on look, the line. Look, I take my Buscemi seriously. You can okay? lose everything, Aaron. Or you can take the this mystery box. Lose, lose this all my... the Pazuki bucks. I, I, I live my whole life for this Buscemi moment here. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that paper in high school about Steve Buscemi. I know yeah, this. I know this. <laughs> okay, how about this? Um, uh, he is... Um, <laughs> Four, four and a half oranges. Four and a half oranges. Four and a half. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Four and a half pinks. There we go. Four. And a half, sorry, he, he was Mr. Pink and Reservoir Dog. There we go. I like there. that a lot. He has four right, and a half and dogs. Pink. He has four and a half pink dogs. Pink dogs. Okay. I like that a lot. I, like a dog I'm is naturally pink, or you dye yeah. it pink? Well, it's Bruce Sammy, so it's naturally pink. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Luke, don't ask a stupid question like that. Right. <laughs> uh, Aaron. I should also. Tall? I should, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're cut off, man. You've had your chance. You're done. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, I, I know. I made a mistake. It won't happen again. All right. <laughs> oh, God. What if I was couch. Oscar all along? Oh, no. I'll just the couch. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Martin, how tall do you think Steve Buscemi is? Uh no, I'm not gonna go for the right answer. I'm gonna go. He's he's 420 centimeters again. <laughs> okay, 13 feet. Put it down. Thank you. And then Luke, how tall is Steve Buscemi? I still don't. I don't remember it, but I think I know kind of the ba- ballpark. So I'm gonna say <laughs> he's as tall as a ballpark. Five nine. <laughs> All right, guys. Luke, think... Luke did remember. He is five nine, but also he is four and a half pink dogs tall. So both Aaron and Luke win. Um, but let's get to we'll get to one more hype because this went a little longer than I thought because there was a lot of good bits. I enjoyed yeah. them all. But I do Sorry, I do want to ask you guys here. how tall do you think Anne Hathaway is? Ooh, uh, I feel like she's uh, I'm, real fucking tall. Like, see, I had the I'm, same I'm thought, six but one. I'm looking at the height right now. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say she's like five nine. One. T- <laughs> yeah, that's technically true. Aaron's already locked into a correct answer. <laughs> uh, and then, 
she's probably like she's probably like five ten. I think she's like tall for for a woman. She's like yeah, yeah. five ten. Five ten. Tall five, for a woman. <laughs> it's a new eighties well, ballad. On the weekend. <laughs> um, guys, are you ready? Oh wait, did everybody answer? Yeah, I said six one. Six one. Mark. I think I said five ten. Five ten, and then Aaron I think said five ten as well. Yeah, five ten. Guys, you are all a little bit off. Guess what? She's actually five eight, so a little oh. actually oh. shorter than I was thinking. I guess she's just when I, Yeah, when I was first thinking about it, I was thinking like a good six feet as well. But hey, I mean, you know, five eight—that's a respectable height still. It's it's taller than the male average. Not bad. I well, mean, I feel I like having having a kaiju equivalent adds a few inches to your to your to your stand. Yeah, that's true. I've heard I've heard she's mean. Oh, I oh that's a shame. But hey, you know what? Who isn't mean these days? That's how you make it in this world. If you really want to know my opinion. It's, well, okay, that's not true. Uh, just be nice to people, especially after this year. Um, let's let's get to those good old recommendations and plugs. We're looping them together, as uh, Luke was saying, because we live in strange times. So if you're doing something, that's great. But if not, just give us something to recommend. I'm going to kick it off here tonight. I'm going to recommend, even though uh, I think Luke has recommended before, my, maybe Martin, I don't forget if you did, but uh, the Harley Quinn series right now on HBO Max streaming and a few other services, uh, it's really funny and it's really well written. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I had a lot of people hype it up to me, so I didn't uh, know how my expectations should be set, but uh, it, it's good writing. It's really good about, once again, abusive relationships, which is funny to bring up on this episode. And uh, really good voice acting choices. If you uh, listen to a lot of podcasts, they get a lot of people that you love hearing on like Comedy Bang Bang and other shows, so I liked that a lot. Um, check it out. And if you can't find it on a streaming service, just pirate it. It's so easy to pirate, guys. Why, why give the corporations yeah. money these days? And then plugs. Uh, I, I, I don't know what's going to be going on after this since we're putting out one. Um, you know, call your parents. Tell them, uh, hey, what's going on? If you, if you don't have parents, call a good friend. Tell them, hey, hey buddy, what's up? And uh, if you don't have any friends, I don't know, game? Play a video game? Not, me, not for me to decide. I I would recommend... Okay, Martin, you go. Fuck me. <laughs> we just did an episode okay. a few nights ago, so... I, uh, I uh, that's, that's well, as, as always, Martin, <laughs> as, as always, I want to plug uh, Brandon Kirkman's Twitter. Good Twitter to follow. Thank you. Um, and overall for recommendations, I well, I've I've only been discovering this over the last couple of months because I'm a I'm a freaking dummy. Um, we we all live in Chicago. Chicago just has a wealth of like very nice parks and forest preserves, like all right outside of the city. Go out to a forest reserve. Go for a walk. Stay away from people. People suck so much, but nature's great. Go out in nature. Have a walk. Pick up some trash. Be be good. Yeah. That's it. I like that. That's nice. And also, yeah, we, I mean, even where we are, I don't think it's giving away too much of my location, but we live by Lake Legion Park, and that's a really beautiful walk. And it's got enough space where if you see some dipshit going around a bunch of people with no mask, you can just walk off on the grass, which is nice, not be by them, so... Shout out to that. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Do you you got to mow that lawn, don't you? Hey, hey, buddy. More than one way, if you know what I'm talking about. Hey. hey. Yeah. Yeah. 
Are you eating the lawn? <laughs> back from breath. I'm, I'm eating the lawn while I shave my pubes in my front yard because that's what American is all about. <laughs> I, I still don't got much to recommend. Uh, pizza. I like pizza. Hey, that's a great recommendation. Oh, hell yeah. Let's, let's, let's all give it up for pizza real quick. The great thing about pizza, love pizza is that you can put it on a pizza and you got a double pizza. Oh, God. Um, you you guys kind of know what comedian. I shouldn't have done that. I just realized it's a very inside joke. <laughs> Burned into anyone's brain who went to pressure from 2016 oh, to God. 2018. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, Aaron, what, what have you been enjoying? Uh, actually, um, uh, I watched a documentary. It started as a joke, which is uh, based on um, the Brooklyn alt comedy scene, uh, and uh, mainly uh, who uh, started his own personal like comedy festival as a joke, and uh, uh, as a like a festival that made fun of comedy festivals, and it got so popular that I think he made like ten of them. Like it's, it ran for like ten years, uh, so yeah, it's I. It, it was fun to watch that, and also it gets a little sad because it's about uh, it involves cancer. I'll say that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, but it was really good. It's it was a really good uh, uh, documentary, uh, especially if like people who, like enjoy uh, comedy or just. Uh, Enjoy documentary, but uh, no, it was it was real. Yeah, it's, it's a really good one. So I guess I recommend. Um, it started as a joke. Yeah, that's awesome to hear because I've been thinking about checking it out, and this recommendation is going to get me to finally do that now. So yeah, uh, I know it's on. I know it's on Amazon Prime right now. Um, uh, oh, nice. Where else it is? I know it's on Prime. Yes, yeah, so I'm absolutely going to pirate it just out of the fact of sticking <laughs> to Vegas. Yeah. Fuck yeah, he's. You know what? We tried to get him on the podcast, and he never got back to us. So what a piece of shit. I don't know too much more about him, but oh, got to be a bad dude. Um, no, and I feel like that's a good. That's a good feeling you got I, off. I, I know. I know his penis is like just the tip. Is that true? Yeah. What? Okay. Sure. I don't. I don't want to wait. Let's just say it's true. Like. Uh, yeah, I was about to some, say. Someone write that in Wikipedia right now. Because that made me think about like Harvey Weinstein and like knowing that both he had a very weird tiny penis, but also he was into self mutilating it, so apparently it looks like a burn mark. And I mm. I don't want to project but, on the people, but like, what's it with like super weird penis dudes always having power and doing shitty things? Like, we gotta stop that. You got one testicle. Sorry, you can't be in control of German government. That's just how I. I, I, I don't know it. if it's necessarily the, the weird penis dudes getting power. I think it's just. When they have a weird penis, you tend to remember it. You tend to hear about it. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to recommend weird penises then, because they are. There's something you won't forget. Um, I think that's. I, I don't know if that makes it like a good recommendation, just because you won't forget it. Yeah. Okay, that's true. Let's. I'm going to recommend meditating on weird penises. Just just mm. Google weird penises and see what pops up. <laughs> okay, I'll do that here. Uh, but I think we'll uh, do that right that, now. Thank you so much for doing this, Aaron. I. I'm going to say Thank I think you. we got it, unless some weird thing happens where we don't get the episode still. And if that's <laughs> true, then we know God has cursed us and truly uh, just feels nothing but volatile hate towards our existences. That's fair. But nonetheless, thanks for doing this, Aaron, again. Um, uh, every single time was fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. 
but I think. Oh we, God! I think we made okay, it. Okay, yeah. You you Google weird penises. You see some weird penises. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see, have, have you guys ever seen an echidna penis? Yeah. Oh Jesus. I have. Yeah, it's got four heads. Yeah. Not enough, in my opinion. Oh, it's never enough. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Man, there's, yeah, this is, it's worth a Google, guys. Well, anyways. We should, I, I, you know what, I'm actually, I'm changing my recommendation to not looking up weird penises. There's one that is two looks, penises together. Pop. That's actually pretty cool. It looks like a paw. Yeah. There's <laughs> one covered in bees that sounds more like a oh, okay. bee thing, but it's also like, I don't well, see yeah. penises. It looks like it's just a foreskin. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, let's leave. Hey, well, you guys want to do the usual uh, ending thing? Yeah, let's get, let's yeah. get out of here, guys. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can get it. Three, two, one. You're gonna, You're gonna like, like the way, gonna like the way I fuck. fuck. I guarantee, I guarantee it. This time, uh, we'll get it. All right. Okay, that's that's a good place to stop. <laughs> when we get it once, that's when we're gonna have to stop doing it. Yeah. Yes, because then we just come up with a new one. <laughs> That'll be the final episode. We regret that you have not yet complied with our order. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. The words get stuck in my throat. <laughs> 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 <laughs>